We started off by saying this episode was for students, but I, I don't I don't think it went that way fully. We 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 sort of looked around what was happening at this time, right in early February, and saying, "Oh, well, let's do an episode that gives value to students who had just passed the NPTE, like a, a super niche audience, but not that niche because like it's like ten thousand students or something like that." And what we wound up talking about on the Breakfast Club PT live stream that we do weekly on Thursdays, which you you should subscribe to on YouTube. Uh, see how I slipped that in there. Um, was really sort of, I mean, I, I don't want to call it a masterclass because I don't think it was like that. I thought it was a bunch of really practical experience and suggestions based in experiences from our, our guests. So Tony Maritato is usually on the show. Uh, he was having some tech issues. So it was myself, Dave Kittle, and uh, Paul from Strata PT. So uh, we talk about, I mean, I to say we talked about networking is really minimizing what we talked about. I would say we talked about how to build relationships in a business sense, in a real authentic way. And we, there are no hacks or cheat codes at these things. These are just real ways that have worked for us and that we would suggest on how to do it or not to do it if you were someone because we have people messaging us for this. And I don't know, if I were to sum up, uh, my messaging in this would be authentic and be curious, not judgmental. I, I referenced Ted Lasso and I say, if you want to be interested, uh, if you want to appear interesting, be honestly interested. So want to thank ATI. They're bringing me to uh, CSM next week. I'm going to be at their booth doing interviews with some really, really cool and and, and innovative um, people at CSM, some people from ATI, some people from across the profession. So look for me at the booth in the expo hall there with ATI. I'm excited. We're going to bring in the lights, the cameras, the, the, the action, and having conversations. We're also going to be interviewing you. We're going to do 60-second interviews. I call it 60-second PT. It's the fastest 60 seconds in physical therapy. You walk up to me at the ATI booth. You just be like, hey, what's up, Jimmy? Heard you were doing. I want to do my 60-second PT right now. You don't need a code word or a pass or a, 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 a locked-in time to do it. Uh, appointment. That's the word I was looking for. Just say, hey, do you, do you have 60 seconds? I want to do my 60-second PT. I'm going to hit you with 12 questions that you have 60 seconds to answer. Faster you answer, more questions you get in. And then I share that on my channels and the world knows about you in that cool, innovative way on how to get and leave an impression and meet someone is be like, hey, my, my real, my 60 second PT was viewed 6,000 times. Maybe a, maybe someone that you want to connect with in the future sees it. So thanks to ATI. If you want to take a look, they've got opportunities across the country with more than 900 of their clinics. Hit ATIPT.com. That's ATIPT.com. If you would like to jumpstart your career with them. <laughs> save the audience usually i start off by pretending to be like a, a logo singer like a voice <laughs> sing the name of the show but i will save you this morning uh good morning breakfast pt club in the morning breakfast pt breakfast club pt here we go breakfast club pt in the morning uh doing our live stream we're doing this weekly this is good it's a good accountability thing showing knowing that you have to show up and then show up because like i think it's really easy when you're like i'm gonna do this every week and then, then three weeks in, you're like, eh, and you sort of lose momentum. But knowing other people, it's like why joining a running club is so great. Uh, but sometimes your computer dies. Sometimes everyone's computer dies. <laughs> right? So Tony had an issue. He's got computers, so he's he didn't want to record on a phone. It's it sucks to sort of do a live stream like this, a long, long stream, long form live stream like this. 
So we brought in uh, we brought in a uh, a special guest. Uh, Paul, how would you introduce yourself? Are you tech bro? You're an IT guy? Like you're a little bit everything? I don't know. I, I like to call myself a blood sucking capitalist. Okay. Um, good. Good start. But it's really excited. I was gonna say my my friends call me worse things. Uh, no, I uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm uh, I'm 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 uh, Tony Meritado in spirit today. Right. And uh, I would describe myself as a uh, a tech bro, I guess. Um, anyway, I I'm the CEO of a company called Strata PT. And um, spent the last 15, 20 years never having been a PT or anything like that, just investing in thousands of startups. And um, so yeah. you and so we, we we don't have to go too bit deep into this because I feel like Paul, you deserve your own episode on my show at least. I mean, because I'm I'm into that. Oh shucks! But okay. but you you lack what's called the curse of knowledge, which is <laughs> that's a good thing. Which is like when you know too much about something, like you come into you come into PT or whatever, and you're like, oh, tell me how this works, and then people are describing it to you. And a lot of people in the organ in the profession or whatever, like, well, that's just it's just how it is. And you're and you're like, you don't have the curse knowledge. You're like, what? Well, that's stupid. Let's don't don't do that. And everybody in the organization, the profession is like, well, no, that's just how it is. People have tried to change it, but it won't. And you're like, yeah, no, that's how yeah, I was. Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I think there's a compliment in there somewhere. So thank you. I oh, yeah. um I I don't know. I I've never thought about it that way. I just um I'm 42 now. I don't feel old. I don't think I'm young. But at the same time, like. One of the biggest lessons I learned a long time ago coming out of school is that, you know, if you just approach everything with like a curious mind, yeah, be curious. you can kind of, you can go pretty far with that. And I think, I know we're going to talk about, you know, students and what to do after the NPTE and stuff like that, a topic which I have no direct experience in, but, you know, conceptually it's, it's very similar to my own Person. path and, right. you know, so. Yeah, that curse of knowledge thing—that's a—that is a compliment because I'm going to give a talk at CSM in less than a week, actually a week from today, and it's two researchers, and I'm like, you guys keep doing the same thing because everybody else is doing the same thing, but you don't know any better because you're so smart in that you're so deep down the rabbit hole, you don't understand like you could just dig a different rabbit hole, like mm -hmm. go in a different direction. So yep. we'll talk about that. So all right, so so today, so Dave and I have experienced this, but I mean, Paul, you graduated from school and you took it, you know, there was a test or a degree that you had to get at some point and then go do your thing. So a lot of uh, physical therapy and physical therapist assistants, uh, students are no longer students now, or maybe they still are. I passed the NPTE and still had to do my clinical rotations for another couple of months. So that was a weird celebrate, go back to work for free. <laughs> so what do you do now is, is the things afterwards. Cause a lot of times you're so focused on a goal for so long that all you can see is the end and you're like, and then now what? Which is why they have those books that are like, you're what to expect when you're expecting. It's like, right. I wanted to have a baby for so long. You're like, well, one's in your belly. So here's what's coming up. <laughs> so so we'll start with Dave. Dave, what advice would you give? And you can pull from your own. What'd you do? Because this is a big, this is a big question mark for a lot of students. Like, oh gosh, I passed the test. That was the thing that was the big scary monster under the bed. Now, where's my mindset go? What would you tell a student if they were sitting in front of you? Uh, well, hopefully they had already been drumming up some potential opportunities, whether it's LinkedIn, uh, speaking to potential employers, speaking to potential recruiters. All of that, I think, is done in tandem, even though I know the, the main focus is to be studying and preparing for the board exams. Um, <clears throat> you pass it. Awesome. Congratulations. Uh, but yeah, you need to be getting out there and uh, speaking with potential employers, looking at opportunities. At this point, you would have already nailed down or or kind of uh, decided on what's the best setting or the the best um, you know role for you, most likely. Uh, if not, you got to certainly start there. 
Um, I think in the pre-interview, like Jimmy mentioned, like, you know, maybe take a week or two off. I think, you know, that I think that certainly can be healthy, um, get some sleep, all of that. But I would say you pass the board exams. The number one thing is to be interviewing if you haven't yet, uh, going on interviews, different settings, different areas, some close by, some a little bit further. Uh, and then that way you can weigh your best options and kind of pick what would be the best uh, optimal fit for you based on your goals, your situation, all that. Okay. Paul, I was going to let you go next, but hold on, because I have to say that everything that Dave just said, I, as a student, I did none of it. So I wanted to come right in and be like, if you didn't do those things, it's, it's okay. Because okay. <laughs> if I were a student and I were listening to that, like I did none of it. Oh my God. Oh my God. I would have spiraled. So I did some of that. I did some networking, but again, like, I'm, you know, I like to say, oh, I'm an anomaly, but I, the more I say I'm weird and I'm so unique, um, the more I've heard from people going, thank you for saying that because like, I didn't really know. So the closer I got to graduation, the more confident everybody else in my class was about where they were going, setting location, who specifically who they were going to work with the closer, the more confident they got, the more absolutely uncertain I got. So it was like this, the inverse proportion. Um, I would say, I would say number one, right after the NPTE, like do nothing if you can like chill out like a little bit. Right. And if you haven't started networking, like a week's not, it's listen, it's not going to kill you a week of not investing in your 401k, not going to kill you a year. Yeah. Okay. Like that. And I, and then I would start to say like, what did you lo like? Don't ask the big questions. Like exactly where should I be applying? Right. What did you like about your rotations? Hopefully you got a little bit of elbow rubbing in different areas. And then my big advice before I kick it over to Paul would be an interview is two ways. You don't win an interview. It's not a, it's not a game that you score points and then you win and you got the job. I know it feels like that. And maybe your parents are like, make sure you do great on this interview. This is you and, and you finding out um, as much as you can about them in that one-on-one -on -one opportunity. Right. And I know like people like, oh, always have like two or three questions like canned, ready to go. No, like be super curious. Like that word has come up twice already in the seven minutes that we've been live. Watch that Ted Lasso scene where he's throwing darts. Like be curious. He said, Ted Lasso said, not judgmental. I say be curious, not don't try to sell yourself other than what you are. But honestly, it should be 50% you trying to find out about them and if you think you would get out of bed Monday morning and be excited to go there because it's a long slog if you yeah. don't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, again, I'll admit I'm wholly unqualified, you know, never been a PT, but but conceptually, look, I was a computer engineering major um, and sort of had to go through the same struggle everybody else did, you know, where do you start? Um, I, I would just... I would kind of echo kind of what you guys just said there, um, but I would also add that the goal of the first meeting is to get the second meeting. Yeah. So, you know, the, the reality is, is that, you know, you can choose, look, the, the reality is, is that you're surrounded by a bunch of other people that just recently passed the same test who are probably all taking the same strategy of trying to go meet all the same people. And, and all you really have to do is not be weird, yeah. number one, and number two, recognize that you're fighting a war for interestingness and use that to get to the next meeting. And so what I mean by that is, is like, you know, you know, all the questions they've been teaching you in school, right? They, they probably said like, well, ask them what credentials, ask them where they went to school, did I build a connection that way? 
look, every other student's going to do the same thing. So you should probably go the other way. And you might want to ask something that seems uncomfortable. Hey, um, out of curiosity, who was the last person you hired and what was it about them that you loved? Yeah. So I'm making this up, but now it's an open-ended question. It gets them talking and it might give you the chance to have that second meeting. I like where you're going. What are good and let's you can throw you don't have to say who they are but throw people under the bus or throw stupid questions under the bus cuz there was a period i think when google when like the google interviews started to be a thing like oh this is the question they ask on a google interview and then people who were in in charge of hiring got real big for their bridges started asking like just I mean, I don't know how to say it, just douchey questions, I guess, because they were like, I'm in a position yeah. of power. I can ask this person, like, if you were a if you were a cologne, what cologne would you be? It's like, <laughs> that is dumb. There's that famous question, like, are there more tires in the world or doors? And that's supposedly like that's been told so many times that it can't really be a good test anymore because people understand the test. And the idea was there's really no way to figure that out. But hey, I'll get back. I'm gonna find that answer out. Like that was the purpose of the question. Right. What are good or if you have any like particularly bad interview questions that come to mind. I have a couple. I have a good one that I heard from you guys all know Jamie Schreier, right? Yeah. He asked a great question and I got to give credit to him on this one, which was, Hey, if you were to take this job, if you were to start here and in five years you were to leave, what do you think the reason would be? And I like that because it, it bounces a question off the wall. It doesn't say like, what are your values? What do you want to be? Where do you see yourself in five years is a lazy version of that question. Jamie's question puts that in context and from how he and I look at it, whatever that person tells you is what they what they want to achieve and the thing they're most afraid of. So if they were like, well, if I didn't have any flexibility because I'm starting a family and I felt constricted, then I might leave. And you're like, oh, so flexibility outside of the office is important to you. I have that here or I, we really don't have that. We're really competitive. This isn't a good fit. So I like that because it's it's it 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 doesn't let you it, you're not telegraphing what you're actually asking in a good way. And it lets the person answer it without feeling like they're answering an interview question. So yeah. to me, that was that's one of the best questions I've ever heard. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think um, th this is kind of one of those topics where it's kind of like t teaching someone how to date, right? Like, yeah. you know, we can give them all these scenarios, but when they're sitting at the dinner table, it's all, you know, it's, it's it, it all bets are off. Um, the the closest parallel I have for this though is is that you know in in my other hat where I do a lot of angel investing I got to teach people how to how to go find other investors you know I might invest in them but they still got to go find five ten yes. other people in the deal and so you're teaching people who probably have never actually had this this situation come up how to do this and one of the things I say to them is, is like look when you're at these events you know let's let's say you're at CSM or you're at you know some some networking event or whatever do not do not go in there with the mindset that you're trying to find one person because a you're going to look like an asshole you yeah. know it, people can tell when you're not when you're not there to actually get to know them yes, um uh and and b like i love what you said there earlier about you know the the 50 rule um you know one of the things we say is like if you're ever talking about the product more than 50 percent of the time the deal's not happening yeah no no good you know, um, and so so the reality is that like that first meeting, you just kind of want or that first event, whatever you're at, you kind of just want to be the butterfly, you know, be the connector. So, you know, you're going there, you probably have a friend or a buddy from school that's going with you. You guys pair off and you enter, you, you guys are going to be each other's number one hype man or hype girl. Right. And then the goal is just introduce each other to everybody else and you just keep on moving. And, and really, by the end of the night, 
you have become like you're different than everybody else hopefully because everybody else is like oh so tell me what you do where is your practice located um da -da -da -da. like you know it's it's like in the investor world people are like oh tell me about your average check size and you're like okay first <laughs> of all idiot nobody <laughs> writes a check it's a wire transfer you know and so i i know it sounds cynical right but the whole thing is is that you know uh, young people especially put so much pressure on themselves, probably because school and everybody else tells them they got to figure it out. But the, the truth of it is like, you don't have to be the best. You just have to be the least worst person they've met in order to get that second meeting. Yeah. Um, I know I'm probably never going to get invited back to this show, by the way, but uh, no, that's I, my, I, that's my knowledge bomb right there. <laughs> hey, what, 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 what comes to mind? So, I mean, what Paul said is all true. So it doesn't matter whether you're at CSM, you're at, uh, I mean, usually like there's been what, um, like the student conclave, there's a bunch of different opportunities for students to meet, you know, recruiters and other companies and other opportunities. Uh, LinkedIn is a great tool. Um, I got my, uh, going from New Jersey into Brooklyn, I got my full-time staff physical therapist slash clinic director role by cold messaging uh, an executive who didn't oh. answer my cold message. A year and a half passed, I cold messaged him again he goes, where are you living? I'm just like, I'm in New Jersey. I'm actually tra uh, transitioning up to Brooklyn. He's like, oh, interesting. He goes, um, he's, he goes, I just joined a practice. They have seven locations. We're looking to raise millions of dollars and we're going to buy up a bunch of clinics, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, uh, I became a clinic director of one of those seven locations and then they went on and continued to grow. And so all that is public. Um, Ed Mears from, it was motion, uh, it was Metro Sports Med, Physical Therapy, and then it became Motion PT Group. The point of it, though, is I did that uh, significantly over any any of the APTA, any of the events, the state chapters in Pennsylvania when I was in school in Philadelphia. What Paul said is 100% true. It's it's just touching as many people as possible. So touching meaning you you, you barely meet them, you, you speak, you exchange business cards or emails or whatever, you connect with them on LinkedIn you you genuinely engage in what they're doing you ask yeah. questions you're inquisitive uh that then becomes uh an opportunity for you to stand out and, and look different or be different uh the more that you're out there the more opportunities that you're going to get and so those are some of the ways like that example of me going from not having a job not literally not knowing any <clears throat> any physical therapy practices at all in new york city to getting a clinic director role without even asking for it right. uh, is because of it was kind of like the backdoor thing with networking. And so cold message, you know, I'm a practice owner. You can cold message me on LinkedIn. I mean, cold message, cold email, practice owners, um, try to get rotations there, try to do things differently. The more you do that, that like Paul said, you're, you're naturally curious. Uh, you're going to stand out and you're also going to get more downstream opportunities than you can even imagine. Yeah. I want to use this in a story. So I agree. And you guys are highlighting this, like sort of this sort of uh, dichotomy. I think I'm using that word right, which is students are like, so they're saying like, put myself out there, but not too much, not too hard. So do a little, but do a lot of it, but do, so it can be a little bit like, so like, do I, how much do I do? Right. So I'll, I'll say this, it's Chris rock versus the nicest guy in your office. Chris rock takes a year to write material and test material to go out on stage and do an hour set. Chris Rock is funny. He comes out and it's nonstop machine gun, funny all over the place, right? Versus the nicest guy in your office is typically 
fun. He's himself. He's fun, right? You interact with him. He doesn't, he didn't prepare that, you know, zinger. Maybe he thought he heard a dad joke yesterday. He can't wait to use it. Right. But it's fun versus funny. I don't yeah. need you. And I would not suggest to be funny. Your job, as Paul mentioned, is not to skip a bunch of steps. Man, I met this guy in the hallway and I had to close. It's like, dude, that guy's going to a party. You want to make an impression upon them. Think about what that means, right? Like, so you do you do a skin turger. You just do a little impression there. What kind of impression are you leaving? And then how long does it last? You're not trying to get skip nine steps and get the job on that one interaction. If you try to do that and you swing too hard, you will swing and miss. And the impression you will leave is that guy's or that girl's weird because you tried to close. And the parallel I do is... It's similar about uh, it's similar to your job on the first dates to get the second date. The second mm -hmm. dates to go away. For, you know, the third date and the fifteenth date is go away for the weekend. You ask a girl to marry you on the first date. Hey, man, that's weird. That's yep. just, it's a strange thing, and you don't get yep. a second date. So this is a relationship build. Is why I use that parallel. So your job is this is public relations, which is not sophisticated. It's not fancy. It is building a relationship with the public. What kind of relationship are you starting off with? Hey, good to meet you. I'm Jimmy. That's what I'm about. Hey, what are you about? And my final piece of it, be more interested than you are trying. Then you will appear more interesting. Yep. But, you know, I told people all the time, freshman, sophomore year, no dates for Jimmy in college. I could, I don't know why I would tell people how smart I was. I was telling girls I was captain of the hockey team in high school and I was a class treasure. I was telling them all about me. I don't know why they didn't see through it. Junior, senior year. I sat there and asked a bunch of questions and I was interested. Things got a little easier junior and senior year. Oh, I couldn't. What's the secret? Secret is get out of your own way. <laughs> <laughs> Stop talking about yourself. Well, so I'm asking, I'm asking okay. if, if there's any live questions. I commented here, Jimmy, inside StreamYard, but it says PT oh. Podcast. I, now I'm speaking for you because I thought I'm it was going to say my name. So my apologies. If for yeah, you could do live questions because this is a this is a thing that I think students or people who've never done this because there's a lot it was it was very interesting to me i mean i came to pt school as a second career student and a lot of kids in my class because they were all 10 years younger than me they'd never gone for they never had a job or like a, a full-time job they've just gone school 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 and they've done some things in between so this was very odd for them so these can be live questions if you're watching a live stream right now or if you want to put it in the comments below happy to dm if you're um a little you don't you don't want to do it in public because this can be a little bit like a sensitive touchy subject let me uh, let me jump in with another another uh, story real quick. So I had a clinical rotation in South Jersey when I just around the time of I guess it was pre uh, right before passing the boards. Um, and my clinical director, this guy, Rick Roscoe, he was doing like some coverage work or whatever. He and his partners had sold uh, four locations to USPH, um, one of the big public publicly traded physical therapy practices. Uh, anyway, I, we talked shop, we were talking clinical stuff, we were talking, you know, business stuff over the, I don't know, like two months or something that I had that rotation. Then I got closer past the boards, got closer to where we're at right now with this conversation. And um, <clears throat> he then was uh, working for some other practice called Princeton Orthopedic Associates in Central Jersey, closer to his home. And he basically got me a full-time job there. He negotiated the salary. He literally did everything. He put it on a platter. Now it's extremely, I was probably extremely lucky um, and, and got <clears throat> also another example of like a backdoor entrance to an opportunity. But again, it was because of laying the groundwork of what we're talking about today, which is just like, be interested, 
touch a lot of folks, uh, be inquisitive, ask, you know, ask questions. And I was generally curious about, you know, the, everything like the industry and why he sold his practices and, you know, what, what things he does, why does he do this type of manual therapy technique or, or why this, why that? And so I know this is not going to, you know, it might not benefit everybody, but, um, any of the new grads that pass their board exams, um, the more that they're out there, just touching folks, speaking with folks, asking interesting questions, you know, maybe staying a few minutes late after your patient schedule or whatever to ask some of these questions or to, you know, build some of these um, connections and relationships. It could be digital online, like LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever, um, or it could be in person. Um, but those are just examples like, Hey, yeah, I mean, maybe I got lucky uh, and I'm sure I did, but you know, I, I was, I, I got those opportunities because I was serious about the dynamic and learning and, you know, just asking these open-ended questions. And hopefully that comes across today as we're talking about this, because there's plenty of opportunities out there and, and, and even bigger or better opportunities than even what I got. But again, you're not going to get them if you are sitting on the sideline. DeSola asked a question uh, in reference to something we just said, which is like cold messaging. And just to be clear, I don't want to, I don't want to have that curse of knowledge, right? Um, cold messaging is when you reach out to someone and that is the very first way you reach out. It's more, it's, it's, you can do is cold messaging can be done in person or on the phone, but it's a lot more, I think used when you DM someone or you message them on a social media platform. So DeSola wants to know, not a new student, but questions relevant. What do you do when you cold message people, but you don't get any response back? This is valid. Like, cause we're saying one of these ways is knock on digital doors and Hey, I'm, I'm Jimmy and, and I'm DeSola. Introduce yourself. What happens when you get nothing back? What would you suggest from some people who you guys likely get the cold messages? I, yeah, I mean, okay, for, first of all, I, I don't want to be too cynical here, but let me just first of all say that the, the fact that we're having these, this conversation kind of means that people didn't put in the prep work way long ago. Like, like if you're in a position right now, like I'm going to say this just to get out of the way and then I'll answer the question. If you're in the position now where you are having to cold email and you're having to, you know, do the weird dance at CSM, meet as many people as you can, let's just do it, admit to ourselves that we screwed up we should have started building some sort of portfolio of interestingness a year or two ago mm -hmm. so that this conference that's coming up or whatever is the place where we actually take those online relationships and turn them into the real world. Right. Okay. But now we are where we are and we're in a position where you have to cold email people. Um, look, the, the reality is, is that cold email, um, like if it's not working, you got to stop. You, you know, like the thing is, is that you know, if it's not converting, you got to look at, did they open it? You know, did they, here's the icky part nobody ever wants to talk about. If you're going to cold email, then approach it, like go all in and approach it like a marketer would. When I run a business or whatever, I don't send emails just to send emails. I got open tracking set up on them. I've got a whole drip sequence. You know, I'm thinking about it that way. So if you're going to cold email somebody, uh, you need to kind of approach it that way you probably need like two variations of the copy and you're going to like take your list of people you're going to target spend you know send version a to half of them version b to the other half and it's a numbers game that's the unfortunate uncomfortable yeah. truth of cold email or cold messaging is it is a numbers game yeah um so uh Anyway, let me pause there. I want to. I could talk about this for hours, actually. Well, so so Desola, I'm looking. She's a PT. Uh, frequency, intensity, time, type, volume, and progression. Right. So there's exercise principles that we've talked about before, and these are marketing principles. So you are doing an exercise. You are you are doing a thing that isn't getting the result that you want. You can do it harder, right? You could do it more often, 
or you could do it differently. And if cold isn't working, I, I always say play to your strengths because that's, I mean, play to your strengths. So if you're a really warm person, you're going to play really well at, in an in-person networking, marketing, CSM, conferency type event. If you're not, play to your strengths and figure out what that is. Dave, you get you get cold stuff, right? Absolutely. And and I have a great example, again, back with <clears throat> when I cold message Ed Mirsch, who now, you know, is uber successful. He was already successful then. Um, I, if you want, I can read this message that got no response. And oh, this is, I heard this story. This is a good story. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll read it. So DeSola, usually if you if you message, if you email Jimmy, me, Paul, whoever, Tony Maritata, whoever, uh, cold message, cold email. Uh, whatever it might be, if there's no response, I mean, yeah, we're all super busy, but usually it's because it's not targeted. It's not a specifically targeted question about a specific thing. So here's an example. I'll read this out loud. I'm pulling up my LinkedIn messages um, <clears throat> back in, so September 19th, 2012. So that's like 12 years. Was that 12 years ago? I don't know. Uh, years. Yeah. So, uh, so hi, Mr. Mirsch. I'm, I'm, mess I'm cold messaging Ed Mirsch on LinkedIn. Hi, Mr. Mears. Thank you for accepting the connection. I am a physical therapist beginning a small venture with large entrepreneurial aspirations. I am sure you are very busy. However, if you have some time, I would appreciate an opportunity to talk to you about entrepreneurship, business development, and success versus failure. Thank you for your time, Dave. I got no reply. I got no answer. Uh, a year and a half later, March 23rd, 2014. Hi, Mr. Mears. We've never met. I believe I sent you a message here before, and I'd like to follow up. You are having an impressive career, including the position of president of sports physical therapist. From the operating levels of a business, what are your top three pieces of advice on both managing people and an organization? Okay. He replied five days later, and it said, Dave, shoot me an email at this email address, and let's see if we can set up a time to meet via phone. One Where of those emails was about Dave. One was about Ed. So, like, I would say to Sola, I don't want... <clears throat> I don't know anything about Desola, but I'm going to look into her after the show and follow her on LinkedIn. I would say you got to do your work first. I don't want you sending a hundred emails. I want you sending like five, but yep. who are you sending them to? Who? Not where, who asked that person a human question? Like, what would you say if they were in front of them? Did I ever tell you the story? How I got my first job interview in radio. Did I tell you the, the box story? I couldn't, you can't hear me. We can't hear you, Dave. I want to, I want to hear it. Sorry, I was muted. Yeah. I want to hear the story. Well, I did I did what I did what the 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 office in in my university told me. You put your resume and you use action words at the beginning of every sentence. You put it on a great paper, you put it in a manila envelope and you send it to a billion places and you get a job. And I did that, but I was in radio and that wasn't working. And then I sat there one day with like $11 in my bank account and I was like, "Oh, I'm trying to get a job in a creative field where I'm essentially saying I can get attention from people if you hire me from your listeners and I'm doing it in a mundane way." So I said, what would someone creative do? So I had just seen the movie Sneakers. It's a really, it's a Robert Red movie, Robert Red from yeah. movie like Spies, right? So I thought, and I'll, I'll tell you how that comes into play later. But I took my resume, which was a boring list of accomplishments, academic and professional. And I said, this is not, what would a, what would a creative person do? I made a magazine where I wrote the Centerford article about myself in the third person. <laughs> I, I, took, I, I did hear the story. I love it. I created advertisements like just and I made magazine ads. I designed them. Hey, here I can design graphics. And then uh, I printed it in like an eight-page magazine. I took the I took the commercials in the magazine and I made them radio commercials and burned them on a CD. So there's a parallel. I can take something in print and I can make it sound. And then uh, I put that in a box. 
And I took a burner phone. Kids, a burner phone is when uh, you have a phone, but you don't want anybody to track it. So I you know, bought a prepaid $20 <laughs> burner phone, and I programmed one phone number in the phone. It was my phone number. I put that in the box. So I was going all in on three. I could only afford to do three of these boxes. And then I, put, I, I sealed the box up. But then I said, if this box is sitting on <clears throat> a program director's desk, what's, I need them to open it. I, this isn't to get them to hire me. This is to get them to open it and then go, huh? That's all I wanted. I wanted to make right. an impression. So then I heard the, the movie Sneakers comes into play where the spies are sneaking into someone's office. And there's, the, there's a blind guy. One of the characters is blind. And he says, describe what's on the desk. And they said, it's a computer, a lamp, pencil holder, uh, 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 answering machine, a box of files, yada, yada. And they had done research on the person. He had an answering service. They go, why would a person with an answering service have an answering machine? And the files, the thing that they were seeking was in the end. So I said, oh, so, so think about it. What's on their desk? So I thought about a program director at a radio station where I wanted to work. CDs, a computer, a lamp, a da-da-da. What could I put on that desk that would completely be out of context? So I wrapped the box in pink birthday paper, you know, birthday uh, wrapping paper, and wrapped it in a bow. And I wrote the mm – -hmm. I didn't write Mr. Boris on it. I wrote Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. I sent three because I could only afford three. I went one for three, and Dave knows you bat one for three. They put you in the Hall of Fame. But I, ju I just you sent that style of box three different times. Yes, amazing. There was a different one too. I was trying to get a job as a marketer at a toy company, a wooden toy company. So I took my resume, printed it on super thick paper, and cut it up like a jigsaw puzzle because this company made like super high end, nice jigsaw. Not a, not even a hey dude, that was nice, but we're not nothing. Yeah. And now I, I want to write that guy an email and be like. Mm. Nothing, dude. Nothing. That took me two hours. But anyway, so I would say to Solo, like, who who is your short list? Like three. Where's your three? Yeah. Right? And if you don't know, do the research. Yeah. And and you know, the other tactical thing to just think about here is is that like when I, I was just while you guys were talking about that, I actually just opened up my LinkedIn messages and looked at like the cold <laughs> the cold messages I'm getting. The reality is is that everybody does it. They, they make a big ask on the first email or the first message. They'll be like, can we get a cup of coffee? Can we jump on a call? Can we do this? And like, if I did that all day, I, I, I'd never have time to do anything else, you know? And so you got to flip it. The, the goal is to get the 30 second response, you know? Um, and so, you know, the first question should be something that is so easy to answer for them uh, that, that now you've opened up the question or the, the conversation. Um, so an example might be, you know, I'm making this up, but like one of the questions I remember asking, um, you know, Tony, I remember when I was first getting to know Tony Meritato, I think one of the first questions I asked him early on was, if you had to start your practice over today, knowing what you know today, how long would it take you to get to where you are now? Because that question's about Tony. That's right. And, and he, you know, he thought about it. He looked at me, he thought about it on the video chat. He looked at me and he goes, I could probably get there in like six months or something like that. And I was oh. like, oh man, that's crazy. You know. Tell me how. What's the difference, right? Like that's a great follow-up. Well, because yeah, then all of a sudden he started. And I'm talking about Tony. That I, I'm I'm in his seat, so I get to talk about him, I suppose. Yeah. But you know, it was interesting because once he started talking about that, you could see his gears start to turn, and now he's thinking out loud. Yeah, you know, I would have done this different. I would have done that different. I'm like, oh really? And, oh, that's and he's open. And he's opening up. Correct. Exactly. That's a relationship. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And and the other thing I would say is like you know uh, Jimmy, like you know, I think a lot of people were listening to your story about the wrapping the box and stuff like that. And I mean this with all the respect in the world, but I'm going to yeah. say it anyway. I think it's easy for people to dismiss those things. Oh, Jimmy's crazy. Oh, this, oh, that. But the reality is, is that like the one 
like the open secret of you is that you're willing to be authentic and you're willing to do something different. Um, like it, with my investor hat on, the way I think about it is, is like you're operating on a risk adjusted basis. What I mean by that is, is like your downside scenario, like let's just pretend all three of us are cold emailing or trying to reach some target, right? All of us have the same downside scenario, meaning no response is going to come. Right. But any one of us that gets the response wins. Now, if Dave and I choose to split test emails and stuff like that, now it's just a copywriting war between me and Dave and timing and all that stuff, right? But then you show up with a box. You're like a FedEx guy shows up, drops a box on the table. Mm -hmm. You win. Yeah. You didn't have to be better than us. You, didn't you basically didn't play our game. Yeah, it's the scene from A Beautiful Mind where he says, this is a game. If all It's it's the guy from A Beautiful Mind, uh, Russell Crowe and his four friends. He goes, if we all go for the blonde, we block each right. other. Right. But that was also right. a really great move on him to be like, you guys, yeah. all go for the blonde, we lose. So here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to go for the other girls. I'm going to go for the blonde. It was very right. smart for him. You to know, I, I, um, I, not, not, this is probably, you guys should shut me down if this is not where you want to go. But I'll just say, like, most people don't know, I'm actually an introvert. And a long time ago, I learned that I, I had to make a decision a long time ago because I found myself complaining about what I wanted, which is, you know, early on, you know, coming out of school, I wanted more money. I wanted freedom. I didn't want to have to like, I remember my first boss got mad at me because I clocked in like four minutes late one morning. And I was like, what the hell is this? This sucks, you know? And so one day I found myself complaining a lot about what I wanted in life but then recognizing all of a sudden, like it hit me with like a, like a pile of bricks. I'm like, who do I trust more? The guy that employs me or myself? Yeah. And it seemed to me like it was less worse to, for me to take control. And I guess what I'm just going after or going, uh, saying here is, is there's a book that I read back then called The Charisma, uh, the Charisma Myth. By, um, it's, it's, it's by uh, uh, Olivia Cabane. It's actually one of my favorite books. I'll reread it every, every other year or something like that. It's so easy to read. It's super short. And it's a, it's a, um, it's, it's going to sound really boring, but I promise it's a very interesting book. It, it's this research about charisma. And um, basically it talks about uh, real life stories of people you've read about and, and like how they became charismatic. Like, for example, I don't know you guys, if you guys have ever noticed, like I live, so for example, for me, I live in Northern Virginia, right outside of Washington, DC. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of political people around here, you know, I'll go to the Wegmans down the street and, you know, the Senator I just saw on, you know, uh, Chuck Todd's TV show will be like picking his oranges or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. What's fascinating about these people is, is that they're normal, but when they turn on, so like, like if I'm like, Hey man, can you pass the oranges? It's like just two dudes standing there looking at oranges. It's kind of weird. But if I say, Hey, you know that thing you said on Chuck Todd's show, it's very fascinating, da, 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 or hey, you're an idiot, or whatever. When they turn on that political angle, the intensity, like it's something about them that changes. And what you learn in that book is that every person has some different way to do that. Um, where, you know, I think it was like uh, Marilyn Monroe, there's a, this classic story of Marilyn Monroe. She could walk onto a train and nobody would know who she was. But then somehow she could just whip her dress around and all of a sudden everybody noticed that Marilyn was there. Mm. And basically it's what the book really gets to is this final conclusion that being charismatic is actually the combination of physical trait or physical things you can do that anybody can do. Um, and you can then, once you, once you realize that, then you realize that like, 
you know, Jimmy, like if I didn't know you, once I realized that, I, I now it's not, oh, Jimmy's better than me. It's just that now I understand like Jimmy's playing Jimmy's game. Right. I got to play my game. Right. It right? does. You don't all have to act like I, people have said, like, um, if I want to get it, well, I have to start a podcast and a YouTube. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's just my how. This is like people like I got to get out of my comfort zone too. I'm like, this is super comfortable for me, but I get to me be the most me in this way. And that's why I do this. If that ain't your thing, don't do that. Do not. Correct. Do Correct. I, I think, you know, okay. So I, I'm going to tell you something that I have no way to prove to you. I like what I'm about to say, you guys, everybody listening, you guys can just tell me I'm crazy, but I, but this is, this is, this is what I believe. I've built my entire career on this. I believe there's a game people play. It's the game you were taught in school. They said, do your resume, build your resume, build your LinkedIn, wear a tie, da, 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 da. like it's all these things. There's the game people play, and then there's the invisible game. Now, you don't know about the invisible game. Nobody talks about it. But why is it that some people go on to do really big things, but they have the same background things as you? They came from the same school as you. They ate the same crap food as you. But why is it that they succeeded? I believe it's because whether they know it or not, they played the invisible game instead of the game. Okay, so what are the rules of the invisible game? I believe there are three rules to this game, and hopefully people going to CSM will embrace this before they go make a fool of themselves next week. All right, rule number one of the invisible game. Uh, your brand, personally and professionally, is not what you say it is. It's what other people believe. 100%. Okay? Right. Uh, number two, rule, uh, rule number two of the invisible game. You never pick a fight with an elephant head on. I'll, make, I'll, I'll explain this in a moment. I mean, it's good, but good. It sounds like and a and then rule number three is, if you understand the hopes, fears, and dreams of the person standing across from you better than they can even articulate themselves, you win. You can do anything you want with that. So, so do, do so, the elephant thing so I can understand it. Okay, so the elephant thing. So never fight an elephant head on. Uh, let's, use the, let's just use CSM as an example. A student listening to this right now is going to walk into CSM and they're going to be entering a sea, like a body of water, a sea of sameness. They yeah. think they're unique. They think they're special. They think they're God's gift to PT. They're going to do big things, right? But they just walked into a sea of the same bunch of idiots that are like all young. They're waiting to get to the bar later that, you know, and, and I'm not trying to make fun of them. I'm just saying like, that's the elephant. The elephant is the sea of sameness. You do not fight that head on. You have to do something different. Um, I, I, I'll give you an example. Like, well, actually, let me pause. Let me pause. I was Does that say make sense? Yes. And I would say, I'll let Dave talk too, because I like to jump in because Jimmy talks about, I would say the bar, the, uh, <clears throat> it's easier than you think because things are so predictable. Like use the fact that everybody else is doing the same thing and be like, I only need to zig a little bit to stand out a lot because look around at the sea of sameness. I don't, I just need to wear, you know, it's not just wear a red tie, but it's like, if I just do things 10% differently, I'm a hundred percent different. I remember, okay, this is going to sound weird. I'm going to get in trouble for this maybe, but um, okay. So years and years ago, I worked at a company. Um, anyway, there's this guy named Ramit Sethi. He wrote a, a New yeah. York Times bestseller uh, called I Will Teach You, you To Be, be rich. rich. Ramit and I used to share a, cubed, a cubicle together years <laughs> ago. Like we were two, like we were both like 90 pounds dripping wet, little Indian kids or whatever, right? Um, and uh, anyway, here, here's the thing. I still, in my mind, distinctly remember one time. So I was living in San Francisco at the time. I remember one time we were at a bar. Uh, I can see it in my mind's eye. I don't remember exactly where it was in, in the city. But anyway, we're sitting in this bar. Anyway, you know, we're young, we're single, we're talking to people. He, so 
he, you know, we're standing at the bar, he talks to this one girl and, you know, she says, what do you do? And he says, oh, I'm a blogger or whatever. And I was, you know, anyway, didn't think anything of it, right? right? 30 minutes later, you know, she's moved on. He's talking to somebody else. Well, inevitably, I was just listening. He goes, she goes, well, what do you do? This is a different person. Says, what do you do? He goes, I'm an author. And she goes, oh, really? And so anyway, um, later on, you know, uh, I was like, Ramit, what was that? What are you doing? He's like, well, I just want to see like which word actually gets the conversation going further on. It's life A-B testing. A B right. C E E F G. I said I was a blogger. That was not interesting. I said I was an author and at least I got five more questions. And right. that... I know that's just one discrete example, but the reality is that success or successful people, the people that like these students all look up to, it's easy to like look at them and say, gosh, they're an overnight success. But the reality is if you really look at these people, it's usually the combination of lots of little things over the years that, you know, compounded. Um, so anyway, that's the elephant. Don't do everything. Don't do, if you see everybody doing the same thing, asking the same questions, you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. If you know, and I'll just make an example, one more example, and I'll stop talking about this. Let's say you're at CSM next week. You somehow, somehow run into, I'm going to throw Dave under the bus here. Let's say you run into Dave uh, at, at CSM. I won't be there. What do we know about Dave already? Well, we know that he's got his own practice. We know he's entrepreneurial. We know, like, we, we can, we don't have to, we can just look at his Instagram or his uh, LinkedIn to know that he's an entrepreneur. Okay. What does an entrepreneur want? An entrepreneur does not want to hire somebody. He doesn't care. Dave's a real nice guy. He's not going to say this to your face, but the reality is he, get, he doesn't give two shits about whether you graduated from Wharton or, you know, uh, UMBC here in, in, in Maryland or whatever, right? As an entrepreneur, he's thinking about growth. He's thinking about expansion. He's thinking, and that's what he wants. So if you were somehow, tar like, let's say, finding yourself having a beer with Dave, your question should not be, Dave, how's it going, man? Dave doesn't give a shit. He's checking his email. He's thinking about his family. He's, he's like looking past you at the next person he wants to talk to. But what if you hypothetically tried out something like, Dave, man, like I've been following your journey. Um, what, like is, what's it take to like grow your practice 2x every year? Dave's going to talk about Dave things. Right now, Again, don't get hung up on the question, guys. Somebody's going to say, well, what if he doesn't answer? The th my point is, is you're going to have to ask questions to unlock somebody like Dave. And the questions that are going to unlock, we don't know. But you're going to have to try things like, how do you grow? How, you know, what are, you know, right? Because that's, that's the thing. Like, okay, for real, for real. The last thing I'll just say about this. Like, the, the most true thing about students, particularly new, newly graduated students, is they all want to get paid a lot of money because they probably got lots of debt. They got all this stuff, right? They all want a lot of things. They want flexibility. They want this. They want money, right? I get it. I get it. We all want that. But nobody wants to pay you that unless you help them. I remember um, one other piece of advice I got in Silicon Valley a long time ago when I first started investing in, in, in startups. There's a guy named Heaton Shaw. And um, he used to have a company called Crazy, Crazy Egg. I forget what he's working on now. But anyway, he probably doesn't remember this. But one of the most important, powerful things he ever said to me was, I, I, somehow I said to him, hey, how do you make a million bucks? And he goes, oh, that's simple. And I was like, what? And he goes, oh, yeah. You, if you help the other guy make a million bucks, you, you're not going to, you're going to make a million too. It was so different than what I'd been taught growing up in a small town in Virginia. I thought... You're supposed to either work hard, know a guy, crush somebody. I don't know. I, I, you know, I thought you trade time for money, but the reality is you have to give people what they want. Right. You, you give first, then you get, 
you That's give right. or you're going to give a lot and then you ha might have you have the a better chance to get it's not That's guaranteed right. right so the more messages dave what do you That's think right so uh, i want to expand on that so yeah i agree paul so physical therapists and i didn't even remember i didn't even have this perspective when i was a new grad when i was cold messaging ed mirish and all these other people and all that i didn't think i didn't even realize like oh actually i do need to produce you know, 250 to $300,000 in revenue for this practice. If I'm trying to demand a hundred thousand dollar salary or, you know, 70 or 80 or 90 or whatever the, whatever it is. So yes, there is a return. There has to be a return on the investment of hiring you as a staff physical therapist. Uh, put a pin in that for a second. I, 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 you know, sat back for the last several minutes because I wanted to hear Paul go on about the major just to just to review it, major value add for this conversation, which is uh, the the component of the introvert in CSM, the introvert physical therapist in you know networking spaces, um, such a value add because for me, like I don't know, like I've been in some of these you know networking events and sometimes like yeah I'll I'll hang back or whatever and maybe I'm more extroverted than introverted or whatever. So anyone that's watching or listening, I hope that they glean something from that because. Even if you're introverted, you can still do the connection. You can still say, "Oh, hey, uh, hey, Paul, I was just speaking with this guy Jimmy McKay, and you know, he said he's he's got this like, you know, this growing this growing podcast, and you know, let me introduce you. Like, you don't have to, you know, go out there and and be like all that vulnerable. If you're just like connecting people and say like this person does this, and and you said you do this, so maybe you guys should just meet or whatever. Yeah. Then when they leave, they're gonna be like, oh, this guy Dave or this guy, you know, this person introduced me to. Uh, this other person, et cetera. So you don't even have to go and act like an extrovert if you right. truly are an introvert. It's Moneyball. Hit a bunch of doubles, dude. Don't try to hit a home run on your first conversation. Bingo. Just be, Bingo. Get, draw a walk, man. I don't know. Get on base, right? Yeah. And yeah, I, that that's the thing. Like introvert, like you can be introverted. That's totally cool. I, I'm not trying to get everybody to become extroverted. I just think that you, you know, particularly for students, I think, or, or newly minted, you know, you just graduated from being a student. I think the important thing is, like, you have to realize right away that what you were taught in school is not the real world. Now, what you were taught in school is important, no doubt about it. But now you're going to have to exercise a different set of muscles in your brain. Um, and you can choose to not do that. That's okay. But at least be honest with yourself. Like, if you're not, if you're an introvert and you really don't want to do this, don't waste your time going to CSM. Don't do all these things. Like, don't, you're better off not cold emailing. Like, just, you're not going to be happy. Don't, don't do it. But if you can recognize that anybody can do anything for an hour, well, now you can figure out how to turn it on. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I, I, like, everybody's got their system. I'm an introvert. So, like, the reality is, is that my family knows that after 3.30 on, on, work, on uh, weekdays, probably not a good idea to talk to me from 3.30 to 4.30. That's, like, how I need to, like, switch gears down. i'm gonna write that down no i think we have an, i think we have a meeting later this today that's after 3 30. no yours is at two oh, okay. <laughs> right, right before that <laughs> yeah but but, you know, but but be weird it's okay to that, be weird that comes from a self-assessment and then you're going to get a bunch of advice as a student which says do these 50 things but if 25 of those things goes against you cross them out don't do yeah. those 25 double down on the other 25 that you're like those are me then yeah. find the let's be honest let's find the three that work let's say i'm a blogger nope not say now i'm an author got it so you're eight it's sort of the a b test of life which sounds like we're trying to processize relationships which by the way 
the fastest way to make an event suck is call it a networking event. I don't want to go to network. Like we're hanging out. I go, I want to hang out. I like hanging right. out. This is a networking right. event. Mm. Want to know why? Because even as an extrovert, I don't want to be pitched to. Do you know what I do want to do all the time? Meet people that are cool. So that's why last year I threw that event. Did you, Paul, do you know about this event that I threw last year? I couldn't no. do it this year. My goal was to make it every year. So I got pissed at CSM. Not pissed, but like I saw a gap where I was like, it's called the combined sections meeting because there's a bunch of these sections. And yep. what happens is we come together. And we split up. It's like, hey, where are all the pediatric people? Well, they're over there. They're the geriatric people. And then we so we came together and then split up. I was like, well, this is dumb. And then afterwards at night, everybody hangs out with their own people. Alumni people go to alumni parties, section people, peds people go to peds things, ortho people go to ortho things. And I was like, well, and then overall, we like to say we want to transform society by optimizing movement to improve the human experience. I think I got that right. That's APTA's mantra vision statement, which is a valid one. What are we doing besides leaving hotel bills and bar bills and Uber money? And those are all good things. Economic stimulus is fantastic when you bring tens of thousands of people to a town. But I'm like, we didn't do anything that we said we did besides leave money. So I said, let's throw a big ass party because you're all going to parties anyway. And let's be honest. I don't want to be rude. Some of them are in like Salon D with two drink tickets, you know, Sodexo, Sodexo appetizers, watered down vodka soda. And I'm like, dude. And then you find out what those things cost like 10 to 15 grand for a crappy party. I essentially said, I'll be Van Wilder of PT. I'll throw I'll spend your money better. So I found 10 people who were going to throw various parties. And I said, I'm going to rent out the San Diego Children's Museum and we're going to throw a party there. And I'm going to raise $125,000. I'm going to spend 90 and we're yeah. going to give that money away. And I said, the top three fundraise, the top three sponsors, you get to pick who I write the check to and we'll divide the check evenly. And we did. Yeah. And I was like, right, because it was about you. It was because it was a networking event, but I didn't say come to my networking event. It was a I said I needed to throw a party that I would want to pay 250 bucks to go to. And we did that. All right. So, all right. I, I, my, you know what? I think my goal here is to just keep saying stuff to see if I ever get invited back here. So when I was first starting out, right, like, all right, let me just give you a tactic. If you're going to go to CSM next week, here's a tactic you can use. I'm going to talk about Dave and um, and, and Jimmy as if they're not here. Yeah. Look, here's the thing. You're going to, how many people go to CSM next week? Is it like 15,000 are registered right now? 15,000 people. Holy shit. Okay. Wow. That's a sea of sameness. God, why do you even go? That sounds awful. Honestly, um, people. Yeah. All right. So here's the thing. All joking aside, students, you got to go because there's no, like, you know, in real life is the way you start relationships and then online is how you kind of like foster them. Right. So here's the thing. When I was first starting out um, in, in, in the tech world, there, was, there used to be a big conference. It's still around, but it's not as big, I don't think. But way back when, there used to be a conference called South by Southwest in Austin, yeah. Texas. And tickets were really expensive. I remember back then, it was like, well, for me back then, you know, 200 bucks was a lot of money. Yeah. And then you got to fly and hotels were paying or whatever. So the, the reality was, I don't know how I came upon this idea, but instead of going to all the talks, because everybody goes to South by Southwest and they go to the talks, oh, this keynote, that panel, whatever. The, 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 um, the facility that they do it in, you know, it's probably just like any other convention center. All the salons are in the middle and then there's like an outer ring hallway. So I just posted up on the couch, like on one of the corners. And I know this is going to sound creepy, but this is what I did. I knew that there were like 10 really important people I wanted to meet. I looked at their faces online. This is like pre-Twitter and all that stuff, right? It's so crazy. It's like late 1900s probably. So yeah, I'm like, I like looked at their photos online and I just looked for them. And then this is going to sound so creepy, but I wanted to go wherever they went. 
Now, I didn't kind of like say like creepy, like walk up, hey man, I have your picture or whatever, right? It was like if Jimmy walked down the hallway and, I, and Jimmy was one of the guys I wanted to meet, I wanted to know where Jimmy was going to go. Did he go to Salon D, that party with the two tickets? Well, if he did, then maybe I should go in that room. I don't know if I'm going to get to meet Jimmy, but it, that room, if that's good enough for Jimmy, I'm going there. And, and, but you know what? Here's what I learned very quickly. The Jimmys and the Daves, they didn't really go into those salons unless it was about their event. What they were actually doing was sneaking out to go to the Starbucks across the street because, it, God, it was so quiet. Well, where do you think I got my fifth coffee of the day accidentally? Hey, you're Jimmy, right? Oh, man. Hey, dude, I know you're probably over here just you know, to get away from the noise. I just want you to know I think you're a big fucking deal. And uh, anyway, I'm a new student. I don't want to be weird, but uh, hey, if, if I can ever help you with your show or whatever, I would love to talk to you about it. Boom, a, walk away. It's a real thing, right? That's and you're, hopefully you're like, if you're not in a bad mood, you're like, wait, 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 wait. Email me right now. Text yeah, me but, right now. Yeah. Or if it's you in particular, I know you're gonna be like, Hey, listen, man, I'm a little tired. I'm a little busy. Listen, I'm going to be at that bar with a, with a, with a couple beers at five, hanging with a small group. Don't tell anybody. We just, just come on, come hang out. Do you know who Jesse Eisenberg is? No. His, uh, Sarah. Uh, what is it? Is he an actor? No, no. That's the other guy. Um, so who is the woman? Sarah Brooks who invented Spanx. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Her husband is oh, Jesse. It's Jesse is Itzler. Itzler, sorry, he's he's. I just found out about him, but he's been around for a million years, and I've heard some of. I, you know, I knew who he was or his work before him, but I only found out about him about a year ago, and I think it was him, and I might be getting the wrong person, but the story is this: he said I couldn't afford to sponsor something at South by Southwest or Comic Con or CSM, so he went and he bought, he said to the small coffee shop across the street and goes, "How much do you make in a day?" And he's like, I make three grand. A booth inside was 10. He goes, you're going to make three? If I pay you four, then I can just hang out here and then I'll just give the coffee away. I know. So I, I heard a different story. No, I, that, so a, a variation of the story I've, I thought I heard from him was he, he didn't want to. Yeah, he didn't have enough for a booth at whatever conference or whatever. He saw that he what Paul just said. A lot Everybody of the a lot of the executives or bigwigs or decision makers or whoever were going to that local coffee place to get a coffee and like a muffin or a bagel in the morning. All of them. He and he bought all of the muffins and bagels. And then people would, you know, someone like a Paul Singh walks in and try, you know, orders a coffee and a bagel or a muffin, and they say, uh, hey, we're we're all out of the bagels and muffins. And then Jesse would catch Paul on the way out and he would say, Hey, like I I, I have you know, I bought two or whatever, or I have an extra one. It's right. it's not open yet. Um, you know, it you know, you're free to take, you know, a muffin or a bagel or whatever. And then Paul would sit down and then now you have that one to one interaction. And it uh, cost him it cost him three grand instead of ten grand to be in the sea of sameness. i I mean, listen, this is very transparent. Here's how I here's how I found my first sponsors for the podcast. I was doing podcasting and I was like, how do I get to the right people? I went to CSM. I stood in the expo hall. I looked around. That is a sea of sameness as well. It's very hard to stand out, right? You got these booths and then it's a cold war of in terms of money, 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 money. And who wins? The conference people, I guess, man, because that thing's Central Park. I looked around and I had the APTA brochure and I was like, oh, a 10 by 10 is this. And that booth looks like it costs a couple grand. You had to fly people here. You had to house them. You had to pay them. So I went back and I said, I, I waited two weeks and said, hey, how was your CSM to a couple people that I've met? I got their cards, yeah. wasn't talking to them there. How was your CSM? Oh, it was great. Like, what was your ROI, right? And that got them talking. 
And then I said, what are you doing the other 362 days a year to get the same people's attention? Because they listen to my show and I record it from a couch. And they were like, what do you mean? And I said, well, I know a good badge scan day is 150 badge scans. I know 15, 18,000 people are there, but we both know actually touching and 150 is good. And I said, I'm in, I'm in people's ear holes 60 to 120,000 times a month. And I never, and, and those people aren't at CSM. You're getting yeah. the people, you, you, it's survivorship. It's the opposite of survivorship bias. I know you think that that's where all the people are. It's where a lot of people are. You know where more people are? On the interwebs, not here. So, I mean, you can play that sea of sameness game. How do I go the other way? In any situation, in most situations. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I know anybody listening to this, like, especially when you're young and you're, you know, I, I shouldn't say young, but when you're just recently graduated, there's a lot of stress. I mean, society puts a lot of stress on you trying wow. to figure out your next thing. And, you know, and I get it. I want to res be respectful of it. Right? The three of us, we it was a while ago for us, I'm sure, but, you know, we, like, I want to res pay respect to that. But at the same time, like, the, the thing is, is that you just you've got the same amount of time in the day as you, as me, as Dave, as, as Jimmy. And the reality is, is that like doing the same thing as everybody else is not a good use of your time. Yeah. Uh, not unless you really don't mind being tradable, being right. the pawn, you know, so, but if you do have that mindset, like I want to take control of my life, I want success, whatever that is, freedom, power, money, visibility, whatever you define as success, and you got to realize that those opportunities don't happen by walking through the front door. They don't. So I did they a come reel. From the side. I did a reel a while ago, and Dave and I did a live stream on it. I'm going to play the reel. It's tongue in cheek, but I'm also preparing to record the counter argument to it. So here's the reel, and of course, most people. I, I did this to get a little, you know, bump in views because, of course, when you talk about someone's pain point and make it funny, they of course like it, comment, and share. So here's the reel. But knowing that I'm going to make the counter argument. That will make everybody be like, well, uh, so here's the real. All right, everybody, uh, listen up. Uh, we're trying to fix the, uh, the labor shortage, trying to hire great people within physical therapy. Anybody have any ideas? Yeah, I am. Uh, I have an idea. Okay, you in the back, what do you got? Have we tried paying people more uh, since they provide uh, greater value? Have we tried paying them more? We have not attempted that. We've uh, adjusted a little bit, but uh, mostly... We've not done that. Any uh, any thoughts on trying that? Are we gonna we beta that? Can we A B test that? We that is not on a list. That's not on a list of things to do. We're not gonna try. Anybody else? We could offer them pizza. So it's obviously tongue in cheek, where we know how much people spend to recruit people or to replace people, and we're like, hey, if you just took that money and paid the good people. Again, don't pay the crappy people, but paid the good people what they're worth, right? Or 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 matched them when they improve you their salary improve. Uh, you you wouldn't have this problem as much. Now the counter is what what we talked about earlier, which is students come out and they're like, "Hey man, I want to make one hundred fifty thousand dollars. I want to work forty eight weeks a year, and I want to have flexibility." Da, da, da. And my answer is that's the sea of sameness. You have to show me. You have to show me because we are not in tell business. We are in show business. You have to show the person who runs that organization how you will bring in because to pay someone and i don't know the exact ratio because i've never had a staff right to pay someone a hundred thousand dollars they have to make two and a half three. three x so they gotta make three hundred thousand dollars so walk me through that show me how you're making me three hundred thousand dollars and i'll give you a hundred 
Show me Bingo. how you put $500,000 and I will throw a case of money at you at 3X, right? But show me how you're I will pay you $300,000, $333,000. If you can show me how together you and I, you will make me a million dollars, then I will uh, do that. So that's a yeah. counter argument to me with the pizza party. Well, and that, by the way, that subtle but super important point there is that the business owner is not the boogeyman. No. People are like, oh, look at that cheap bastard. You know, he or she doesn't pay anybody or whatever. They're not the boogeyman. It, it's, the, it's the math. Right. It's the math, right? So let's say you're a PT that wants to make 300 grand. Okay, I love that. Now let's do the math. You know, let's use Dave's numbers, right? You know, you got to generate, let's round up. You got to generate 3X what you cost to cover overhead and everything else, right? Um, and to make it worthwhile, you know? Uh, what's the math? How are we gonna make that work? How many patients? You're gonna see patients 23 hours a day? Does that even work? And you know? just saying I have a great personality and patients love me is awesome. And that is the emotional, but now we need to, now we are Now we are in this together and we're, we're in yeah, this the, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my mortgage doesn't get paid on emotions. Doesn't, how are we? Okay, great, that's a great <laughs> first step. Jimmy, you have a great personality. Walk me through that. Okay, let what then I, I immediately flip it because I get brought into brands, you know, pretty often where they're like, okay, like you're good at making stuff, but like, why are you worth 10 grand? I can go to Fiverr and get it done for 1500. And I go, great, walk me through that. Show me how you're going to do that. Why haven't you done that already? If, if yeah. there's a cheaper, you should. Hey, listen, if I'm spending your money, go with the guy who's a thousand bucks. Don't pay me 10 grand. Yeah. But here's why I do it differently because that guy's going to go through the front door. The other guy's going to go through the side door. I'm going to dig a hole and come up through the basement. And that is, what is your ROI on that thing? Why did a kid yeah. from a, I went to school, the college I went to, St. Bonaventure University, 2,400 students. They're high schools bigger than that. How did I land an internship at the Howard Stern Show with, my parents were, my dad was a fireman. I didn't have any ins. I got there the first day and looked around the intern room and, oh, your uncle's so-and-so from CBS and your aunt works advertising at whatever. I was like, oh, I'm doing the math. Out of the 13 interns that summer, three of us didn't come from, you know, our blood was not blue. And I'm like, oh, I got here on, <laughs> I made weird handicam videos, like VHS videos. And I bombarded the promotions manager. And I found out, because I called her secretary, what sports team she liked. And I would call and be like, oh, killer night from the Knicks, huh? Knicks getting it done. Who is this? Ah, oh, it's Jimmy again. I just, I'm not going to stop calling you until you make me your intern. She was like, fine, fine, fine. Come do an internship here. That's how I got into K Rock. That that yeah, I love that man. I wish more people could like embrace stories like that. Right. I I gotta run, but um, maybe we can do. Oh, we gotta do parting. We gotta do parting shots. All right, sorry. Um, apparently we can talk a lot on this talk show. This is the parting shot. All right, just your chance for a mic. How would you sum everything up? This is my chance to get a good reel or a good short out of both of you. What would you want to leave the audience with? Go ahead, Paul. If if you're going to CSM next week, don't be weird. And just remember the goal. Uh, of meeting people there is just to get the next meeting. Don't right. just don't be weird, please. Yeah. Dave, uh, parting shot. I would say just review again what uh, Paul covered earlier. I've never heard of the book Charisma Myth. It sounds very interesting. Uh, I like the be different, act different, and then you will get or potentially stumble upon better or different opportunities. If my if I have to follow both of you being prophetic, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna double down and go. Be curious, not judgmental. Very Ted Lasso, which is. Be curious, right? And be interest to uh, if you want to be in, uh, viewed as interesting. Be honestly, don't fake it. Be interested. All right, so we'll wrap things up. I'll share it on the podcast as well. Make sure you follow all these guys on the the Twitters and the uh, YouTubes. Paul went from zero YouTube and podcast stuff to with Strata Stories, like going from zero to hundred. And when did you start that? Like that was not. Uh 
I started it seven months ago. Yeah. Um, went from like zero views. Um, actually, I don't know if I told you this. I'm going to tell you this at two o'clock, but now I'll tell you now. Um, we did something just so you, we distribute on YouTube, LinkedIn, whatever, and I'll give you all the numbers later. But let's just use one channel, for example. Started from zero seven months ago on YouTube. Um, hit 31,000 views on that in January. It's February 8th right now. We're at out like 38,000 views for the month already. Not an accident. So doing the growth business. compounds. It's That's done. the thing people need to understand. These students need to understand is like yeah. your growth will compound. All right, gentlemen, we'll talk again soon. I will report back after uh, after CSM as well. Thanks, fellas. Okay.